Hello and welcome to part two in our series uh, on being church. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor at Watch It Baptist Church and you're with us at WBC Online. Last week we had a look at unity and this week we're looking at depending and giving. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, we know that you are great and glorious. All good things come from you and we can't give you anything that isn't yours anyway. Would you help us uh, to be inspired by scripture, to be encouraged by one another and to learn what it is to really put our roots down in you and allow you to be the basis of all our security. Amen. Okay, so um, we are part two and there's going to be four parts in the sort of first phase of this um, teaching series. Uh, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 25. 14 to 30. So I'm going to read that now. Put my glasses on to do it. So um, we're looking at, as I said, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he does have will be taken away from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The thing about God, a key thing about God, is that he gives. He gives us the earth and creation, he gives us Jesus, he gives us gifts and abilities and money. And we can only give because God has given to us. So in that way, we are completely dependent on him. What we're given 
is given so that it can be used. Perhaps one of the better examples of that is in the Old Testament story of the Exodus, where the people of God are, are leaving Egypt and going towards the Promised Land, and they spend some time in the desert, in the wilderness. And while they're there, they get hungry because wildernesses don't have a lot to eat in them. And so God says, fair enough, you're short of food. I'll give you some food. So he gives them manna. It turns up on the ground uh, every morning and there is enough for one day. Uh, and weirdly enough, um, if they leave it and keep it for the following day, it rots, except on the sixth day when the sixth day's gathering is enough for two days and seems to be able to keep its freshness a day longer. So God gives in order that what is given can be used enough for the day and, and perhaps we might see the echo, the resonance of the Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread in that or give us today the things that we need for today. When I was growing up there was a very popular film uh, in my, my mid-teens, um, the Batman film starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson was the Joker and he had this line um, where he said, and my friend Andrew could do this very well, uh, impersonation very well, he would go, hubba, 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 who do you trust? And, and in that point, he would then give away, the Joker gave away a lot of free money and people scrabbled all over the floor grabbing it. The question is a good one, who do you trust? And it's interesting that, that in that instance, the Joker clearly wasn't um, trustworthy uh, and people didn't seem to particularly trust him. They seemed to be more interested in trusting the money that he was giving away. So the thing that was trusted was more what was given than the giver. And that's interesting when we think about um, how our relationship with God and our trust in him works. Do we trust him because he gives us things? Do we trust the things he gives us? Or do we trust him himself because he is a faithful giver? It's worth thinking about what we can do to make ourselves feel secure or whether the things that we do to try and give ourselves a greater sense of security. The question becomes that of what it is that we cling to in order to feel safe. Sometimes we cling to other people. Sometimes we cling to the things we like to do or, or the chance to go back to places that we love. Sometimes the things that we're clinging to are material stuff. Yeah. The things that you wouldn't leave behind in your house if it was you know, on fire kind of thing. There are limits to the value of wealth in general, maybe money specifically, but wealth in general. I just want to pop into Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes 5 um, and verses 13 to 15. Um, which I thought I'd left a, a bookmark in my Bible for this, but I haven't. So I'm just going to take a moment to find it. Uh, you may get there before I do. Ecclesiastes 5, 13 to 15. Ecclesiastes is part of the, the Bible's wisdom literature. Uh, and the writer of Ecclesiastes is sometimes seen as a little bit um, depressed, or a bit fed up. Anyway, he says this. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has children... There is nothing left for them. Naked, a person comes from their mother's womb, and as they come, so they depart. They take nothing from their labour, and they can carry nothing in their hand. So Ecclesiastes, this, this wisdom from the Old Testament, says, well, do you know what? Hoarding wealth doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It doesn't necessarily stick around anyway. 
Corrie ten Boom talking, uh, so she was a, a Dutch lady who went, um, uh, went out as a missionary and stayed out for a long time, um, said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It's that sense of, of being able to trust something that you can know. You, you can't tell what's going to happen next. You can't tell how things are going to work out for you or your family. You don't know. Um, I think I think there's a line in um, Baz Luhrmann's sunscreen song, uh, which says, um, maybe you have a trust fund, maybe you have a wealthy spouse, but you never know when either one might run out. It's hard to trust in stuff. It makes a lot more sense, says Corrie Ten Boom, to trust in the one who provides the stuff, the one who gives. Julianne Moore, actress, says, loving someone is giving them the power to break your heart, but trusting them not to. And where we have a relationship with God, that's a really important part of it. If our relationship is a little bit held back so that if we f- if we feel let down, it doesn't hurt so much. Actually, it's not a complete trust. There's not a dependence in that. You think about it. The people of God, as they came out of Egypt, were utterly dependent on God providing manna. Otherwise, they couldn't live. They had no food. They needed to trust this God who had taken them on this astonishing journey to keep becoming good every day with the things that they needed that day. Ernest Hemingway wrote this, the best way to find out if you can trust someone is to trust them. The best way to find out how trustworthy and faithful God is, is to say, do you know what, I'm going to behave as if there's nothing else that's worth trusting. Just you, God, and I'm going to see how far I can take that. So when God gives things to us, as this individual who is absolutely faithful and can be trusted and is not going to let us down, we have choices with how we handle what he gives us, how we use it, how we, how we look after it. We can do nothing with it, or we can honour it and nurture it and answer for it. That is, effectively, this is what Jesus is saying in this story in Matthew. You've got those who say, I'll answer for this. I'll take responsibility. And you've got those who say, I'm, I'm going to do nothing with this. I'm just going to bury it because I'm too scared to do anything else. I don't trust how it might work out. Jesus also says in Matthew 6, don't store up treasures on earth where moths will eat things and rust will corrode things. Keep your treasures in God's safety. You might say, how does all this relate to being church? Well, a lot of the time, our experience of being church is an expression of our individual discipleship. We're just doing things together and supporting each other in them that are things that we're called to do uh, ourselves. We're just being community as we do so because that's what God has given us and called us to be. The being church involves how we use what we've been given, both as individuals and as a church. So our responsibility for creation is a responsibility that we share as a church because there is no part of our responsibility to God that isn't something that we do in community. So we have a collective responsibility for the environment. We need to be answering, responding to climate crisis because this is God's earth and, after all, our inheritance. So being church involves how we use what we've been given. In Acts 2, 42 to 47, there is a, a, a 
kind of recognition that everything that is given to the disciples to the very beginning of the church um, is to be stewarded together and can be used for everybody's benefit what god gives he gives to be shared god doesn't give it to me either he gives it to us if he he has something um let's say an ability or skill like translation um, i remember when i was in christian union uh years and years ago as a teenager there was a a girl in the year above me who was from Spain and she came to our Christian Union sometimes uh, but not all the time because her English wasn't great it was okay um, but it wasn't great and she sometimes found it hard to follow things but what we did have is uh, a third year so I was a first year and, and um, this Spanish girl was second year and my friend Anne was in the third year and she was um, she'd grown up uh, as a children of missionaries in South America in Brazil so she spoke Portuguese and the Spanish and Portuguese can understand a lot of what each other says. So it made a big difference to our Spanish friend when Anne was there. The gift that she had for language was something to be shared with us so that we could be in community with our Spanish friend. Who, yes, my name, her name has completely escaped me now. Um, so God doesn't give to me, he gives to us. Now, I, again, I'm going to, as I did in the first session, dip into Chronicles, this time into 1 Chronicles. To have a look uh, at something that we, something that's worth sharing from there. One Corinthians, no, one Chronicles, twenty nine, and I'm reading ten to seventeen. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, "Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything." In heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. We go on a bit further. I'm just going to um, go to verse 16. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things that have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. So there's that recognition that the people have given from what they have because what they have is already given by God. The reality is that we are not self-sufficient. The world wants us to believe that we are or that we should aspire to be self-sufficient. All the way from um, that uh, sitcom from the 70s and 80s, The Good Life, um, all the way through to sort of the, the crazy idea of independence being the ultimate goal in our culture. We are not self-sufficient and we're not designed to be self-sufficient. We're designed to be God-sufficient. An experience that the people of God had with manna in the in the desert isn't an accident or a lack of foresight from God it is an illustration of healthy dependence on God in day-to-day -day life the trouble is we tend to very often see what we have or what we hold on to as being ours and we still need to handle it well there's an important role of stewardship in the way that we do life um, but Money does lie to us and tries to tell us that we are self-sufficient. 
David tells us otherwise in those words from 1 Chronicles 29. And David had loads. He had more reason probably than we ever will do to feel secure in his financial situation and his resources. And yet he didn't. He said, everything comes from you, God. We're only giving you what's yours anyway. Now, being church means trusting the spirit and each other. So through Jesus, God chose to invest himself in the church. It is called the body of Christ. And to hark back to part one, we are united as a body because of Jesus. Not because of how much or little we have. Nothing of our unity, nothing of our place in the people of God has anything to do with how many resources we have or can hold on to. Which means that giving to the church is our giving to Jesus. So the reason I say that is because the church is referred to as the body of Christ. When we give to the church, we are giving to Jesus' purposes. We're not giving it away to some organisation that we're hoping will do a good job of, of investing it for some return. We're giving it to Jesus, knowing that when it's entrusted to him, he will do kingdom type things with it and he will bring glory to his own name and he will not stop loving and providing for us. Um, and I often go back to this um the teaching that Jesus gives us on how the Father likes to give us good things, and he's not going to stop doing that, uh, whether we give or don't. Um, but we are encouraged to show our willingness to trust by recognising that all we have is God's anyway. We trust Jesus through trusting the body of Christ, and we invest in our unity when we are willing to give financially uh, all our resources or our time but that includes our finances um, to be used wisely and well and we need to take the initiative in doing that I think this is part of what Jesus is saying in that parable uh, of the talents he's saying you've got the resources it's up to you what you do with them and there are better and worse ways of handling them I've given you things uh, and I've trusted you with them and now I need you to trust me by putting them to work, doing good things with them, taking the initiative and investing them in the kingdom. I think that the last thing I want to add to this um, is to think about some practicalities. Um, and I've got four of those, which I'm just going to skip through reasonably quickly, but I do want us to be concentrating while I do that. Number one is to live simply, but make provision. So Paul in Philippians 4.11 says he's content with whatever he has. He knows what it is to be in want and to be in plenty. The reality was that God would not let him down. God would provide his daily bread, as Jesus taught us to pray, and as the Israelites in the desert discovered. Um, God will provide what we need, even if it isn't always everything that we might have liked to have. Second thing, uh, so that's the way the... the the point of that is to live simply but make provision so that it is important to make provision so that uh, we're not being reckless with what God has given to us but we're but we are able to still give because we live simply enough not to need to have lots of things just to be able to say we're going to keep this simple uh, and we're going to we're going to make sure there's provision um, but we're also going to be generous with what God has given us. So number two, give systematically and proportionately. So 
Paul when he's uh, writing in 2 Corinthians 8. Um, she writes in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about giving at quite some length. But in, in 8.3, he praises the churches in Macedonia for giving voluntarily as much as they were able, possibly slightly more than they were able. So churches can't exist. So when we talk about being church, we won't be able to exist. And the mission that we're committed to, that can't happen either without disciples contributing. And so that, that includes time and resources, but it also includes finance. The Old Testament model was to give a tenth of your crops to God, a tenth of your income to God. And that's a good guide. It isn't always helpful for us to think of it as a hard and fast rule. There will certainly be people around us for whom giving 10% would be too much. And being good stewards does also mean that we make provision and that we're not um, not leaving ourselves at risk. Uh, but we are being bold and trusting. Not always a good, not always an easy balance to find. And you will find those around you who are disciples where you're able to look at, at their lifestyle or their circumstances and think, I think you might be giving too much or I'm not sure that you're giving as much as you might. The thing is, that's not for you to judge. Um, and it, it can be tricky to sort out. I'm certainly not going to look at those who aren't giving 10% and say you're bad because I don't know what the circumstances are. And it may be that what they're doing is appropriate before God. But 10% is a good guide. Uh, and the Old Testament provides that for us. Number three of my four, learn the joy of giving generously. Now, I said Paul talks uh, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about giving. It's in chapter 9 that he reminds his uh, readers that God could provide everything that they needed. Um, I know there are folks around the church who talk about how the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know that there is no limit um, to God's resources. Bono from U2 um, says in one of his uh, live shows, um, the God I believe in isn't short of cash, mister. You know, it's important to recognise that God isn't short and it's able to provide everything. Jesus says in Luke 6, that those who learn to be givers will find that much is given to them. And the things that Jesus wants to give you are definitely going to be worth having, even if they're not material things that we might get excited about having for Christmas. My fourth and final thing is to take risks in giving. Now, I'm, I'm not advocating being reckless with your finances. I don't think that's healthy or good stewardship or appropriate way of taking responsibility for what God has given you. But Paul encouraged systematic giving. In 1 Timothy uh, 5, he writes about the love of money leading to no end of trouble. Um, and actually, if, we, if we're not, uh, if we're having a healthy relationship with our money, then we're able to sometimes give spontaneously in addition to what we give systematically, because we say, well, you know, this stuff's God's anyway. I can, I can be, um, I can be particularly generous because I know that God will honour what I do. Again, not to be reckless, but to be um, so trusting of God's ability to care for us that we're able to do this. So to conclude, God is good. He gives to us. Also. It's important that we take the initiative to be good stewards, not to be reckless with what God has given us, but also to, to put it to use, to invest it in our relationship with Jesus, to invest it through the church in the work that Jesus is doing for the kingdom. Uh, and to, 
and to include in that caring for the earth and and responding to um, situations in our world where there is injustice we can we can put our resources to work in order to tackle some of these things acting justly loving mercy and walking humbly with our god and thirdly we need to trust god to really and truly love us so deeply that he will provide for us and in that as we show our trust by being willing to give to be really confident that he's not going to let us down um, in any of those ways we don't need spiritual or financial insurance against what god might do in your life let's pray father we thank you for the message uh, from so much of scripture that you provide for us that you love us and won't see us um, go without while you are or we are within your care we thank you for the example that you gave us have given us of providing for the israelites day by day for what they needed that day and your reminder as we were taught to pray by jesus to give us today the food that we need or the things that we need would you help us to plant our roots so deeply down into you that we can be generous and that we can be confident amen Okay, here's our three questions for this session. Question one is this. What makes you feel like God might let you down? What makes you feel like God might let you down? I think it's important that we talked before about, um, in our previous session, about the emotional uh, maturity of our faith. Uh, and I think one of the things that's helpful for us to do is to say, um, yeah, okay, there, there are ways in which I struggle to believe. I think... It was, the, it was a dad in the gospel stories who, who brought his son to be healed, who said, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. So he was able to hold in both hands that sense that he absolutely trusted God, but he knew that there were gaps in that trust. So I think it's worth us saying, if, we, if we're going to talk about trusting God completely, what are the things that make us feel a little bit less like we can trust? And, and maybe where do some of those things come from? So that we can pray into them, so that we can pray that God will help us to deepen our trust of him. Question two is a really practical question. Do you have a method for giving systematically? Do you have a pattern? Do you have a, a regular rhythm of giving, whether it's weekly or monthly or something? How do you give? Who do you give to or through? Um, do you Are you somebody who does their giving um, through the church and then uh, you know for us at Watch It Baptist Church we then uh, are giving that money um, giving a large part of our income to um, home mission to the Baptist Union to, to BMS who do work overseas uh, and there's some other other interests as well that we have that we're giving um, so do you do you give systematically and proportionately do you give have you chosen to give 10% or, or 12% if you feel able to or seven or eight percent if, if you're in a more struggling set of circumstances do you have a plan for how you give um, that's the question and I think the answer isn't just this is what I do but also a prayer that goes with it that says um, how is God calling me to use my finances and my resources as well um, in order to demonstrate my trust in him and to serve him too And question three is this. 
What do you have that God has given you that you can share with his church? Now, that may be a talent or an ability or a gift. It may be, again, that for you, finance is the thing that matters. It may be some of your time. It may be that you're particularly strong at organisation or administration or music or planning or something. Um, maybe it's teaching or, or encouraging others. What, what has God given you that you might share? And how might you share it? I'd even go as far as saying, um, if you've got something that you think you might be able to share, come and talk to me or, or perhaps one of the deacons um, about what it is you think you might be able to bring and how that can be shared. So the question again, what have you got that you think God has given you and that you might be able to share with others uh, through the church? OK, that's for it for our questions for this session. It's been great to look at this topic with you and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Take care.